Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. Our scripture this morning comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 in the ESV. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And now from the New Living Translation. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The grass withers and the flower fades. Thanks, Kayla. Thanks, band, Joel, and uh, kids. If we just have Elevate today, I believe, which is second through first and second grade. Uh, So Elevate is out. Eric, you're standing back there. Are you doing Elevate today? We do have EGC today. All right. So EGC is third, fourth, and fifth grade. Go back and learn that. Am I on? I'm on. Okay. Cool. Uh, Yeah, and uh, everybody doing good? A little surprise Missouri snowstorm last night. I didn't see, this is about what we get when they predict like five to seven inches, so this is, we got a little bit. All right, Uh, this morning we're continuing on uh, January, we talk about the practices, what does it look like to practice following Jesus? Uh, following Jesus takes practice. Uh, it's not something you just wake up and you're like, all right, I got it down. It, it takes practice, just like anything. And so this morning we're going to talk about prayer. What is, what is prayer? So I'm going to grab those back doors. I just, as a, as a well, everybody's going to grab the back doors. Uh, as one who gets easily distracted. Um, yeah, so what is prayer? What's the goal of prayer? What's the point of prayer? Do you believe in prayer? Do you believe in the power of prayer? Do you pray in the right way? Answers to all of these and more. If you buy my book, um, that's one reason I trust Jesus. He never wrote a book. Never had to market it himself. All right. Uh, I'm not sure if there's anything more both simple and confusing than, than prayer. So today we're going to look at prayer and try to make it both simple and confusing. All right? Um, 
And so what I want to do this morning, I want to give a fairly quick, simple definition of prayer, its purpose, and then I want to give uh, some thought to the produce of prayer. What fruit does it bear? What is, why do we do it? Um, and, and what does it do? And then I want to give, uh, I want to walk through something that I have found helpful, and we'll spend the majority of the second half of the, of the time doing this, is uh, a daily practice of prayer. So today I'm going full Baptist, all right? Purpose, produce, practice. Amen. All right, first, the purpose. Essentially, this is very simple. Prayer is communing and communicating with God. It's very simple. It is communing and communicating uh, with God. I love the way that the New Living Translation translates this verse. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I think that makes it pretty simple, right? Pray about everything. Well, what about, yep, that, if, if it's included in everything, pray about it. For it, with it, during it. Prayer is an invitation to communicate and commune with God in every possible situation, especially stuff that we're tempted to worry about, that's tempted to cause us anxiety. Worry and anxiety, and I'm not saying this like, like with a kind of a shame attitude. Worry and anxiety is our way of trying to control things that we cannot control. And so God says, let me tr- control things, especially things that we're worried about. And we don't just do this individually. We do it corporately as well. The individual and the people of God, we come before God, bring our requests, our needs, our hurts, our wounds, all of that stuff before him, in communication and in in communing with him. And it's an invitation to trust him. It's an invitation to see his presence. Uh, And we do this recognizing his presence, bringing his witness to bear in everything, at every time. Prayer is without ceasing. So it, it, it carries with it the possibility of constantly being in the presence of God or probably being reminded of the presence of God, right? Um, This is an intimate relationship. It is a very close relationship, and yet it's also a careful relationship, right? Jesus, when he teaches us how to pray, Father in heaven, holy is your name. So it's it's the intimacy of a good and loving father, but also like the holiness and aweness of, of a king. And, and, and all that's there. Um, and that this God, to remember that he is there and that he listens and that he delights when his children come to him. The purpose of prayer, this is a gift from God to connect with him, to turn toward him. We just had our marriage retreat this weekend. To turn toward him, to bring our needs, our hurts, our joys, our labors, our concerns, all of what we see and think and feel before him and enjoy and delight in his presence in all of life. That's the purpose of prayer. The produce of prayer. Why do we pray? What do we get? Um, sometimes I think we can have a tendency to treat prayer like a Christmas wish list, right? Right? Uh, and we come before God with our shopping list, and we're like, here's what I need. 
I've been good all year. Go ahead and knock these out if you don't mind. Right? Uh, when I was in seminary, we had an evangelist. Are you, I, I, some of you I know grew up in the church. Some of you probably didn't. Uh, I, I don't know if you know, if you know this whole concept of evangelists in our day. And I'm not, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a little different. Usually it's, it's a dude, in my experience, a little older. Touch on the eccentric side, right? Pink suit would give that away. Uh, and he would come in and he had a couple of sermons that he would preach. And it'd be, it'd be very heavy on evangelism, very heavy call to Jesus. And, and God uses this, right? I mean, and I, this is where I get, like, God uses puppet shows and people have come to faith and all these things. So I'm like, all right, God, you can use things that I don't like. It's totally fine. Uh, some of their methods were not my preference. Um, and, uh, but they would come in and they would give a couple sermons. And this was called revival in our day. And people would come and, and trust Jesus. Uh, one guy came to our church in Texas. And, and I, I do remember his name. And I'm, there's no chance I'm going to say it. Uh, but he came and in his sermon, he was talking about prayer and asking God and, and like, and, and ability to trust God in simple situations, which I thought was, was good, but he said he needed a new watch. And so he prayed and he asked God for a new watch, and he asked God that he would provide a new watch. And then after one of his sermons at some church in Texas, a guy came up and gave him a brand new Rolex. And our pastor at the time, I, I loved dearly, and he kind of leaned over in a more private setting, and he said, I, I have a feeling that his prayers for a new watch were rather public. <laughs> like, like it was from the pulpit that he was asking for a new watch. And, um, and so uh, we were invited to come before God like little children and to ask with confidence for whatever our heart desires. My kids, especially when they were younger, had no problem ever coming to uh, Allison and I and asking with full confidence for anything they wanted expecting that we would give them whatever they asked for. Um, and I'm glad they felt comfortable and confident uh, and did not know their parents' lim uh, limitations uh, financially and otherwise. Uh, but they came before us and asked anything. But asking for whatever you, your heart desires doesn't always equal getting whatever you want. God's promise when we come to him is that we get him. We get his presence. We get his peace. That this promise fulfilled in Christ Jesus, uh, what that means is what Christ accomplished for those who trust in him, that we get to come before God like children, like his children. Now, I'm going to confess, this is where it gets confusing for me. And I get a little uncomfortable in this. I have often felt, for the sake of disappointment and trying to guard against disappointment, that we should qualify what we ask for what we ask God for. I mean, you don't have to, but if you wouldn't mind, you know. And um, Jesus never does this. That was my addition to the scripture. Jesus never qualifies. He invites us to come before God untrained, un unqualified, and pretty open-ended in what we request. Paul says here to the letter of the Philippians, Bring everything. Now, I think what we learn or what we can learn as we grow is that God's promise and his peace are the answers that we ultimately want. His presence is eternal. The greatest promise in all of Scripture is not that God will fix all of our problems. 
It's that God will never leave us nor forsake us. He will never leave nor forsake his people. If God fixes all of our problems today, tomorrow we will have a brand new set of problems. Right? But if God is with us, there is nothing that tomorrow can bring that changes that. In Romans, Paul says this, for I am sure that neither, high, neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height, not height, height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news. So what we learn as we grow in prayer is that we can ask, we can ask for anything with confidence. He says, come before me like, like children. So we can ask for anything and confidence. And we can have confidence that God hears, that God cares, that God will respond, and that he is with us. And what we will receive every time is his presence and the peace that he will stand guard over our hearts and minds. Um... Since the beginning of December, I've been doing a reading plan uh, where basically I, I read through the, I'm, well, I, I, the plan is uh, to read through the Psalms every month and to do this in order. So it's got morning readings and evening readings. And I'll just tell you, if you've got young kids, blessings upon you. That's it's hard. That's a hard one to, to, to really get into. Um, but this is where, this is what I've been uh, trying to do. And I've loved it. Um, and the prayer of the psalmist contain every emotion possible, every thought, everything that I feel, every question that I've brought before God, everything that I've wrestled with, even the question of if he cares. Do you hear me? Are you there? Are you really there? All of those things are in the psalms. Um, and you can go from one psalm where the psalmist is crying out, where are you, O Lord? When I come to you, why are you silent? And the very next psalm, I call to you and you answer me. Great is your steadfast love, O oh Lord. And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. I've had those. I've had those five minutes. Um, the psalmist fights and fights, and by the conclusion of every psalm, experiences and remembers the presence and provision of God, even and especially the psalms that start off dark and in despair. Prayer is communing with God. That's the purpose of prayer. The produce of prayer, there's a lot of peace here. The produce of prayer is the presence of God and his peace. And his peace stands on guard for our hearts and minds. Um, so with that, I want to give you a practice of prayer. There are a lot of ways to practice prayers that are fantastic. Um, and there's a lot that I love. A couple weeks ago, Tiffany referred to it, the prayer of examine. Prayer of examine basically is to wake up every morning. This is an ancient prayer. Wake up every morning and see where I have enjoyed the presence of God, where I have forfeited the presence of God, where I've neglected the presence of God, and invite him and me to remember that he is present at all times. It's a, it's a, it, it is a wonderful uh, thing to practice. Um, there is uh, another one of practicing the presence of God through breath prayer or through mindfulness. Intercessory prayer is when you pray on behalf of another person. This is what Jesus does for us. And it's not just, I pray on behalf of another person. It's where you kind of enter the throne room on their behalf and, and fight for them as if, as, if it were, as if it were you, as Christ does for us. David even has some imprecatory prayers uh, that you can find in the Psalms. 
And this, and I mean, he gets pretty elaborate. He prays vengeance on his enemies. And sometimes I read these and I'm like, I can't believe this is in the Bible. Uh, but here's what David demonstrates with that. He trusts God with that, does not take it into his own hands. He trusts the one who judges rightfully and fully. And then he opens up. Um, today, what I want to do is I want to outline a setup of dependence for the day, the hours of the day. Uh, Zach Eswine, uh, who's a, a pastor uh, over in Webster Groves, has a book, Sensing Jesus. And it's not original to that book, but I, I, I found it very helpful. A structure that kind of gives us a guide through the prayers of the day and the hope of bringing the fullness of God in Christ into the, every aspect of our day, which is what the invitation is. Um, these are prayers designed to trust Jesus to be Jesus and acknowledge our limitations. We can only be at one place at one time. We cannot do everything that needs to be done. And we are unable to know everyone and everything. So we pray in full surrender. We trust Jesus to guide us where we should be. What is in with our, our capacities to do? And what and who are we able to know and gain knowledge of? Trusting the results and the rest of the world to his care. This is not prayer instead of labor. This is prayer in our labor. All right? So when somebody says, you pray and I'll do this, you, can, you pray, I'll call the ambulance. You can pray while calling the ambulance. All right? This is prayer in our labor. So this is the way that he divides the day. And I'm just going to cover the three of the daytime. But morning gratitude, noonday wisdom, and evening hospitality. The morning time prayer is a prayer of gratitude. It's the, it's the new day. It's the grace of the morning. Thanking God for a new day. That this, and this is important. You ready for this? The sun rose in the sky, and you had nothing to do with it. The psalmist, this is the way that the psalmist bring this out. In Psalm 92, it's good to give thanks to the Lord, sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Psalm 30, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Psalm 59, but I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. Psalm 143, let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. For in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go. For to you I lift up my soul. To wake up in the morning with gratitude. Now, the morning can also be overwhelming. If we believe that the world is up to me. If we stand staring into the schedules of our day, the expectations, the deadlines, the headlines, begging for our attention and our devotion, whatever glory or dread or mundaneness lies ahead throughout the day. And so the prayer of gratitude in the morning reminds us we had nothing to do with bringing the sun into the sky. We have slept beneath the stars. The world continued to go and happen even while we rested. And we are grateful to be reminded that we are not the point nor the hope of all creation. We are not the ones who hold the world together. Our emails, our social media posts, our news stories that broke overnight seek to tell us that we are the center of the earth, but a prayer of gratitude or reading a psalm or scripture reminds us that it is God, in fact, who is God. 
That was kind of... Anybody else hear that? All right. We ask God to give us eyes to see how we serve him, love him, trust him, serve others faithfully, not as if I am the Savior, but in full recognition that he is. Uh, I've tried... I've tried to do tech before, uh, Bible before tech in the mornings, and that goes okay. But I also have an alarm set. Um, and it is hopefully that that kind of puts me back in place in the morning of where I need to be. 7 a.m., my alarm goes off, and I stop most times and pray. Welcome to join me if you want. Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me today my daily bread, and forgive my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. And lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Today, I am grateful for your provision, my daily bread. And I understand that tomorrow, I will need to be dependent on you for tomorrow's daily bread. Don't let me jump ahead. Help me to be present as you are present. I try, fail often, but try to start the morning with gratitude, ask for God's presence, but even more so that I would be present and aware that God is here and he's with his people. Noonday wisdom. If the mornings are a drudge, they can be filled with emails and meetings and articles designed to get our blood pumping. What this politician is doing and this injustice and this controversial topic and that everyone else seems to have perfectly figured out, but I'm really struggling with the tension here. And uh, co-workers and children, sometimes indistinguishable with all of their needs, demands, and expectations. And all of this broken up with a few cat videos. Why do the wicked prosper? the liar at work who gets the promotion, the other family that seems to be at the beach every other weekend with pictures of their beautiful kids, all of them on the honor roll, all of them getting great grades, excelling in whatever sport they're uh, participating in, right? Hashtag blessed. Your boss who never seems to appreciate what is good but always seems to notice what you missed, the teacher that singles you out in the middle of class even though everybody was talking. It can be easy to hit the middle of the day after fighting hard in the morning and just be tempted toward the path of least resistance. Who cares? What's the point? Just get me through the rest of the day. Psalm 37 reminds us, though, that there's something beyond this world that we labor toward. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. They will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. In a world that is guided by self-indulgence, self-promotion, self-reliance, shortcuts, confessions that can sometimes, like confessions that can sometimes lead to pressure on everybody else to walk carefully, except for the person making the confession, 
Followers of Jesus, we are called to remember how God designed the world and to walk with wisdom. Wisdom to see how do I follow and trust and represent God faithful and good to the world around me. So one o'clock, I have another alarm goes off, usually during my lunch or right after my lunch. It's the only alarm that I have that's not on vibrate, and every time it goes off, it's loud and it interrupts, and I'm like, I really should put that on vibrate, but if it was on vibrate, I wouldn't hear it, so I leave it loud and obnoxious. And it, and it brings to me Psalm 1, to walk in wisdom. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that, he meditates day and night. This man is like a, a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked, for they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Jesus, help me walk in wisdom and not measure success by what is worldly success. Not operate on personal fulfillment or self-indulgence but to remember that you alone are God. The way you designed the world is good, and you have invited me to trust you and do good. And then the evening is hospitality. A built-in daily Sabbath. And this is where I struggle the most. There's a beautiful scene in Matthew 14 where Jesus has been teaching all day to the crowds and they're in a desolate place and then evening comes and it's, it's dinner time and the disciples are worried and they're like, what are we going to do? Are we going to send all these people back in the town and the cities to buy, buy dinner? And Jesus calms the disciples and says to them, they need not go away, you feed them. To which they say, but all we have are five loaves and two fish. The evening time is the time designed to trust and rest in God's provision. That he invites us to sit down at his table. Good food, good drink, good company. That God welcomes us to dine at his table in his presence. To cease from labor. And this is, God has even worked this into creation, right? You work during the day and at night he turns the lights out so that we can rest. Ah, but man, we are so clever. We've devised ways around that. Not only that, but we're not even cut off from anybody in the evening. Now we have devices that keep us in touch with everybody except the people in the same room with us. To rest biblically is to trust. There is a weekly Sabbath, but there's also a daily Sabbath, an opportunity to rest and trust that God provides, that God will keep the world going even while we're not. <laughs> to invite neighbors and even the stranger among us to feast at our table, a break from the dog-eat-dog -dog world where people at our tables will not be used for their productivity, but instead will be valued for their imago day. Now, the temptation of the evening, this is my temptation, is not toward presence, E-N-C-E, but toward escape. Not to rest, but to numb. Ways to numb from our daily grind, our grief, our stress, our tiredness. And this is the hardest time for me. And even saying that, like, do you know how ridiculous it is to say that? I struggle to rest. 
And not like, and not like, it's not like I'm a, like a workaholic. I'm not saying, like I have had pastor friends who are like, I just love what I do too much. Nope, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not saying any like glory, like listen guys, I pray too much for you guys. And uh, really, no. And, and there is wickedness that can happen in the dark. No, no doubt, wickedness allows us, the darkness gives us a cover to kind of do what we want. Um, and there are ways, I think there are ways to come into the evening to find ways to watch a game or, or, or a movie or even be together in the presence of entertainment and, and enjoy the fellowship and the goodness of God. But that's not my temptation. My temptation is toward mindless, mind-numbing activities, not rest. A stupid game on the iPad that I just will fidget around for a long time while in the presence of other people, not fully, but geographically, that are a lot of us doing the same thing. Scrolling through TikTok videos on Instagram. And at 9 p.m., my alarm goes off to take my medicine and to pray and remember God's presence. And this, I neglect this one more than any other one easily. Uh, I probably should have said it earlier, heading it into the evening. I realized that as I was typing out the sermon. So, I may move it. But this is my reminder to pray. Psalm 139, Lord, you've searched me and you've known me. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search me and you search out my path, my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, God, you know it all together. You hem me in, behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. This knowledge is far too wonderful for me. I could never attain it. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand will hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me and the light be night around me, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Uh, there's one last section that we didn't cover of the day, which is the watches of the night. The psalmists talk often about that and the solitude of the night. Um, and we really don't even remotely have time to cover this well. Uh, but it is the time where God stands as the watchman on the wall and provides security, keeps the world going, so that we may rest and find renewal. Psalm 4 says, You've put more joy in my heart than they, than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I, both, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. If I am dwelling in the presence and security of the Lord, what possibly could the world do to me? Should we find ourselves as wanderers of the night? There's also the, thing, the possibility that God would invite us strictly into his presence as we are. In the darkness, in the middle of the night, there's no audience to impress. We stand before God as we are. And there is a fine line between solitude and enjoying the presence of God in solitude and isolation and hiddenness. Uh, to be fully known by God or to be hidden in the darkness. And that's a whole other sermon. So, to pray, the practice of prayer. 
This is to commune with God. It is the relationship with God. To depend on Him, to see Him present in every possible way, to enjoy Him at all hours of the day. As a child of God, and I want to say this, as a child of God, I am now convinced, I have not been, but now I am, I don't think there's a way to mess up prayer. I don't think there's a way to do it wrong. I do think and know there's a way to grow in it. The disciples even ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. But I don't think you can mess it up. So I hope seeing the day, every hour of the day, the opportunity to pray and trust and bring God in for gratitude, for our wisdom, for our rest, for our security, every hour of the day. I hope, uh, I hope it's helpful to see our need through, uh, for Jesus throughout the hours of the day. Um, not only to remember his presence and his provision, but also our glorious limitations. To remember that God is God and we are not. And how easy that is to forget. So maybe, just maybe, you take time this week, you get into that alarm setting on your phone, find a passage or two. What is something that I could work on? What is something I could memorize? What is something that I already know that when I wake up in the morning reminds me who is in control of the universe? What is something that I could set to be obnoxious during the lunch hour that would go off to remind me I don't operate by the standards and, and, and rules of engagement of this world. I don't, I'm not going to be obnoxious to them, but there's a higher calling than just the path of least resistance. And as a reminder for the evening time, a passage to remember to call to mind, that in the evening I can actually rest. I don't have to escape. I don't have to numb. I can rest. I can hope. This is the day that the Lord has made, so let us rejoice, and again I say rejoice, and be glad in it. Let's pray. God, thank you that um, as a people, as individuals, we, can, we have communication with you and communion with you, and I forget that often. I forget the gifts that you have given. I forget that you are with me at all times, that you will never leave nor forsake uh, your people. So I pray that this week we would put those reminders, that we would find ways to be reminded throughout the day. You are sovereign, you are good, you are in control. We can bring our needs, our hurts, our wants, our joys, our sorrows, even our anger to you and trust you with that. That we can actually, this seems ridiculous, we can actually not worry, but pray in everything. That what a glorious gift from you. So I ask your blessing on these, on our practices and our efforts this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. 
For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.